Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson, and since my co-hosts Carly and Morgan aren't able to join me for this episode, I thought I'd bring back a guest from last season. With me to talk about the season three premiere titled Girl of Steel is Chris King, and you might know him from iZombie Radio. Welcome back to Supergirl Radio, Chris. Thanks so much for having me back, Rebecca. Uh, it's, uh, I had a great time. Uh, we were just talking off air about how good of a time I had. Um, last season when I was on to talk about the episode that uh, that Raul uh, Coley guest starred in. And uh, I'm really excited to talk about this premiere, and I'm just so happy the show's back because uh, it's been, it it like hasn't felt that long, but then this week, like, I was just, I, I was like, oh, wow. Like, I've really, watching, you know, watching the show again, I was like, I didn't realize how much I, I missed this during the summer and even, you know, this first month of the TV season with the CW shows waiting until October. So, uh very happy to dive back into the Supergirl universe. It's always a delight to speak with you and to to talk about uh, the show with you. So thank you for very much for coming back. And it's weird because like after after a Supergirl radio summer that involves comic book reading, audio commentaries, interviews, character spotlights, it it seems like I'm always talking about the show. So for some reason, like I don't miss it, but I do miss it. And so like. When the show comes back, I don't realize how much I missed it until the show has new episodes. I'm like, you know, I did miss the show, even though I was talking about it all summer. I did miss it. We're we're all jealous of all you DC shows, uh, iZombie Radio, because like we don't know. Like we're probably gonna have to wait till like I guess I'm assuming like March or something for new episodes. And so like that's what we're we're figuring out our programming right now over there too. We're actually doing some comic stuff, so I, I totally understand you. At first, you were like, oh, we're talking so much about it. And then the time, I feel like the time always just blows by before we know it. Yeah, months just passed me by. I don't know what happened to that time. But yeah, <laughs> so it it is one of those weird things that happen that I guess you don't know what you've got until it's gone. And uh, the, this show came back to us this week. So we're definitely going to be talking about all the new stuff that we got. So let's get straight into our discussion of the season three premiere titled Girl of Steel. And here is the official description. Quote, Kara deals with the loss of Monel by focusing all her energy on being Supergirl and the mysterious new threat against National City. Alex confesses a secret to Maggie about their impending nuptials. A citizen of National City has a mysterious connection to Kara, and Lena makes a bold move, unquote. So the the big thing about this episode and what, what the episode really hinged on was Kara dealing with the loss of Monel and how she was 
really putting all of her energy into into being Supergirl. And and sometimes that happens when people lose a loved one or something bad happens. They they just put all of their energy into work. And that is what, what Kara is doing in this episode. So, Chris, what did you think about Kara's grieving period and everything she was going through? So I, I personally, uh, as someone who is is, is, is somewhat pro Monel, <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, I was good. I mean, I was happy to see it because, you know, as Kara even says during this episode, she made a sacrifice that almost no human would make, that not even Clark would make, as he admitted back in the finale of last year. Um, and I think a sacrifice of that magnitude, giving up somebody you love, should have a, a lasting impact on a person. And what I would, what I will say is, I'm happy that it didn't. This didn't translate to Kara giving up, like the the idea of being Supergirl. Um, I thought it was much more interesting the fact that she wanted the Kara Danvers persona to go away. I think that's kind of a new take um, because typically on on shows, you know, in both, you know, in film or even in, you know, this DC TV universe we've seen, you know, it's it's Oliver Queens deciding he, he doesn't have he doesn't want to be Green Arrow anymore or it's Barry Allen saying he shouldn't be the Flash. Um, but this it's it's Kara literally saying, nope, I, I don't want to be human anymore. I'm I'm better as I'm, be- I'm I'm not human. I'm better than a human. I'm better when I'm an alien. I'm better when I'm just saving people. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting approach to it, um, and and kind of a different take. And I, I thought it was it was natural to see how she progressed throughout the episode. And what I really loved about it was the fact that it wasn't just one person that really broke through to her and and made her kind of realize that um, she needed to. Uh, kind of get back to trying to be her old self, that it was kind of a culmination of, of what James said, of what Alex said, of what, you know, of what John said to her. Um, there, it just all really built nicely. And I thought uh, Melissa uh, specifically really, really killed it. Um, even, even though certain moments I thought like maybe the dialogue itself that she was given wasn't uh, terrific. Um, I thought, uh, just her performance in all those scenes, whether they were the bigger scenes or smaller scenes, uh, that she was really, uh, really something special throughout this premiere. 100% agree. Uh, Melissa Benoist can lift up the crappiest script. Like she, she can, <laughs> she can make the uh, crap into gold, I guess is what some people say, but yeah, she was really great in this episode. And, uh, I was glad to see Kara get so much time. Cause I felt in season two, Kara got a little bit lost in the storylines and in the season arc there sometimes it was like well what's Kara's story what, what's going on with her and so it was nice in this premiere that we got a lot of Kara we got a lot of stuff that was focused on what she was going through and what was inside of her head and I, I really liked that and I, I like your point about how in this story she wants to go full Supergirl and ditch the Kara Danvers part I thought that that actually made a lot of sense because she talked about how uh, Cara Danvers was a sad girl and why would she want to be that sad girl whose boyfriend went away and and she tells Jean she says in this line like broke me into a million pieces she says I can't help people if I'm broken mm. and she she kept talking about how the Cara Danvers part of her was weaker and was more human and she did have that that thing that she told Alex about how um, she's better than that. She's better than being human. And so she relied on that Supergirl part of herself to be the strength 
for what she was going through. And I, I did like that. And I thought it was very fitting because she was like, you know, Supergirl's great. Supergirl saved the world. Um, so she she needed Supergirl in, in this period of, of grief, of mourning to get her through this. Or at least she thinks she does. Um, I don't know if that's the way it plays out in the end, but uh, she definitely, uh, she was not into being Cara Danvers because Cara Danvers made her feel that loss. Definitely. And and that's the thing. She's, she's viewing her humanity as a weakness. Um, she's, so that's why she's pushing everyone away. It's not even that she's upset with herself so much that she's feeling the sadness that she can't shake. It's the fact that everywhere she kind of turns, mm-hmm. you know, she's reminded of, um, she is reminded of this, of that loss because of, everyone around her representing like humanity, you know, whether it's her relationship with Alex, whether it's, um, you know, or whether it's, uh, working at the, uh, working at Catco with James, it's, it's all these kind of, again, aspects of her human life, which again, she spent so much, so much of last season trying to have it all trying to be like, you know, well, I'm Supergirl, but I can, I can have my normal human life. I can be like an everyday person. Mm-hmm. And she, she kind of wakes up in the, uh, in the finale, you know, and realizes, uh, oh no, like a hero, unfortunately, can't can't always have that. Um, and then this is really her processing it. And like you like you said, Rebecca, she doesn't necessarily process it maybe in the best way, but in a way that definitely makes sense for the character. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you think w- was really the thing that brought her out of it? We have that moment when she's underwater, and and we we see Monel say, "Wake up." What, what, what do you think that, that meant? What got her to, to be Kara again? I mean, I definitely do think, in, in a way, yeah, it's, it's that moment where he says, wake up. But, but similar to what I, I did say before, I think it is a culmination of it all. What I really saw as kind of almost like the, def, the quote-unquote, like, dethawing moment when she kind of let herself be a little um, less guarded is when she's talking to John in that scene that you brought up. Um, where she tells him he's uh, that she's broken. She even asks him, um, you know, she tells him about uh, the dreams she's having, which she doesn't really tell anyone else, and, and talks to him about the loss of his family. Um, so that's where I really think we start to see her kind of let her guard down. And then I think that Monel, you know, saying "wake up," that that's representative of everything she's been told and, and, and everything's everyone's been saying to her throughout the whole episode. It's that culmination. So Monel, yeah, Monel is the kind of vessel of it, right? He is the one voice she hears in that moment because in a lot of ways, he's the most important voice to her. Um, but I think it is in a way he's kind of encapsulating, um, everything that's been said, said to her throughout the whole episode that he's representative of that. So, so I, I think it's a steady building and then, you know, kind of, she, in that moment where again, she's almost like ready to give up. She's, she's almost gone there because, you know, as Alex tells us, you know, she can't breathe underwater. Uh, that's one thing. That's one thing the Kryptonians can't do, um, is, uh, um, is that, you know, she kind of turns to the person who can't be there. She's surrounded by all these people who can be there for her, who are there for, her, but the one person, um, she can't be with is Monel, so that she kind of looks inward and kind of looks to where he is, which is in her heart. And then that's really, that's really Kara's heart telling her, Hey, you know, wake up, keep going. You, 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 you're stronger than this. You're, you're, you're going to make it through this. Um, and in a way I found that really beautiful that yeah, that it's to me, it's so much more than, 
oh, Monel, you know, she's in love with Monel. He had to be the one the way, you know, that, that got her through this. It's, it's not that. It's that he is kind of the, um, the vessel for that, that, that message that everyone's trying to tell her. And she has to look inward and, and kind of accept it herself um, because no, no one can really tell you when, when to stop grieving, when to be okay. It's something that we all have to come to on our own. And, uh, so I just thought that was really the, the execution of that. I thought was really, really well done. While you were speaking, I, I was like, Rebecca, you need to pull it together. Cause I was like, don't cry. Don't cry while Chris is speaking. Um, cause that, that really was a, a great way to put that. And I, what, what I sort of gravitated, uh, about what you said is that, uh, talking about Kara's heart and how, uh, Jean tells her, you know, if you try and cut your heart out, you'll, you'll lose something essential, that human mm-hmm. part of you is a good thing. It's it it can break, but it can also you know be a, a place of you know uh, to hold all of your emotions and in your love for people, and uh, so that's really really important. And I think that's a cool thought that maybe maybe Monel is that that representation of her heart like coming you know I, I, I guess kind of being reborn. She goes underwater, and that could be sort of like a rebirth kind of thing, like a like a baptism, like she's, she's becoming Kara again. Um, and so I, I sort of, I sort of really like that thought. And, and Jean and Kara, you made a good point about how she sort of breaks down with him where she doesn't do that with James and she doesn't do that with Alex. She tries to be really strong and she's really angry with James. Like she comes at James. Oh yes. Cause he uses the, the, the signal watch. Yes, even though it was not an emergency, really. Um, but he, he tried to make a good case for maybe why it was an emergency that he was worried about her. But she she tries to be forceful and, and strong with the two of them. But she, she breaks down with Jean. And I did like that, that part where uh, she asks him about if he ever dreams about his family. And he says, sometimes. And I thought that that was real. Like, mm-hmm. I thought that that was very true to life because I've, I've lost several members of my family. And I still, even this week, I had a, a dream about my grandma Francis who died in 2000. I still have dreams about my grandma Francis because uh, my grandma Francis was the coolest. She was <laughs> the best. She's the reason I, I still watch The Young and the Restless. Anytime I would go <laughs> visit her, she would be watching her stories. So uh, grandma Francis is, uh, to I guess, to blame for my soap opera love. Um, <laughs> but I still have dreams about her. I still have dreams about my dad and, and, and my grandfather. So there there's there's a real truth to that. I think a true to to life and true to reality that sometimes, you know, it's not just, oh, you have three months and you're good to go, or you have a year and you're good to go. Like it's still with you every day. And so I thought that seeing that out of Kara, I thought that that was really um, accurate to, to real life situations. For sure. And and to speak personally as well. I mean, I just, uh, just about a month, it'll be uh, a month on the 13th. I just lost uh, my, my grandfather who in a lot of ways to me was, was a father and and one of my absolute best friends. And like, I, I think that's why the premiere really hit me too. Um, because I've definitely been, you know, dealing with it. The, the, the wound is still raw and, and very real and very fresh. And so, uh, and I think the one thing I do appreciate is that, 
you know, my friends or my family have been very, you know, have been very supportive of me in the same way that car, you know, the car's friends and family were, um, even when I've gone to that, you know, darker place where I didn't want to talk to anyone, where I wanted to be alone or, or, or whatever I wanted to do, um, to kind of just like escape feeling this way. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's why I, I really connected with this premiere and anytime I, you know, need a, a wake up call. I kind of turn inward to my own heart, to my own feelings. And again, it's it's similar to how for Cara, it's it's Monel. You know, for for me, for a lot of it, it's it's my pop. It's my grandfather telling me like, you know, he would always call me big guy. He's just <laughs> like, you know, kind of like big guy, keep going. You know, like you, you're gonna be okay. Um, and that's what I think is is so wonderful about about Supergirl um, as a as a series is. And I think just personally for me about what I think makes, uh, you know, whether it's Supergirl or Super or Superman, um, these stories about these kind of Kryptonians who, you know, are, yeah, they're aliens, but they're raised on Earth by these people who, who are so human, who are so, um, who are so very much, like, caring and loving. Um, it's, it's these ideals, it's these kind of pillars of humanity in a way that they... Um, they really get right on this show, I think. The and and they and it's what makes it so relatable, um, and and it's what makes it you know hit home. I think um, harder than maybe some other other uh, superhero television out there. Um, and you know, it's why I was such a big fan of, of Smallville before, and why I've been such a big fan of Supergirl throughout these uh, two two plus seasons now. Um, and I think this premiere, you know, for whatever whatever issues I had with it, like I said, I thought some of the you know some some of the dialogue and, and certain scenes could have been. You know, could have been handled a little better, but man, when it gets to those big moments, it it really knocks them out of the park. Yeah, I think that's a great point to to make about how the Kryptonians sometimes are the most human of all the characters. Exactly. I can't remember. I don't know if it's uh, Hush or I, I think Jeff Loeb wrote a Superman Batman story. I can't remember which one it was, but I think it was Jeff Loeb. But uh, Batman talks about how Clark is the most human of all of us. And I think that really does uh, sum up the the way that Superman and Supergirl are, is that they, they have a lot of uh, heart to them. They have a lot of feelings that they, they process. And that, that makes them more human than a lot of actual humans, is that they care so much. And they have, they're, I guess, in a way, kind of sensitive in, in that they have so much compassion for other people. And sometimes they put themselves uh, second. Um, but I think for me, I, you know, talking about Supergirl for so long is that one of the things I love about the Supergirl character is that she has suffered a lot of trauma. She's suffered a lot of tragedies. She suffered a lot of loss. But she still keeps going, and she still tries to make the world a better place, and she still tries to be there for other people. And I think that the title of this episode, Girl of Steel, was very appropriate because she is so she's strong like steel she keeps going no matter what you know affects her life so i i actually at, at first i was like girl of steel it was kind of like when i was th- <laughs> when i was thinking about it i was like yeah people call her that you know that's that's one of the nicknames you know it's like girl of steel made of might whatever it's kind of a generic title for an episode but after the episode ended i was like now i know why it's titled girl of steel um, just because that that's that's how strong she is emotionally and not, not just physically but emotionally as well and i think another and like you know they have the statue dedication and everything like that but like you said i think the title just it just goes to it just fits so well with again the emotional strength of, of Kara and um in a lot of ways and another kind of idea about this episode i really like is 
while National City has been rebuilding itself, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute with with you know with Morgan Edge and, and Lena and everything, um, Kara's still not fully rebuilt, and so it's th- that idea of rebuilding. Um, you know, rebuilding the physical sometimes can be so much easier than rebu- rebuilding uh, the emotional, the internal. And uh, I don't know, that's a sentiment that this episode really hit well for me. And I just thought it was just expressed so wonderfully. And and when we get to the end there and she does meet up with her friends for drinks, when she like repeats Monel's words to herself and, and goes to the bar, I, I mean, it hit me in a way because I, I, I was kind of expecting it. I, I didn't think we were going to have Kara being... Uh, brooding for more than an episode or two um but it's still like even if it was something i thought was going to happen um it, it still it punched me right in the gut and i i thought it was a very nice uh nice way to conclude that story for her and i in a way i i think it didn't and it didn't feel too fast either um i thought they they handled this arc very well over over the hour-long premiere yeah i agree it 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 felt like the the right amount of time was put on all of these situations and all the all of these relationships. And uh, one of the things I thought was really interesting about um, kind of the lead up to that scene where she meets them at the uh, still unnamed alien dive bar. We still don't have a name for it. Uh, but before she meets up with them, she kind of has all of these interactions with all these other people. And um, so, like for example, uh, and I thought I thought it was interesting the way that they. Uh, had her respond to them because she she was so non-committal. I think you're you're so right about how Kara is rebuilding and and she she was trying to fight it. She was trying to fight rebuilding herself as Kara. And so like you know when uh, when James suggests that Kara can get that one-on-one interview with Supergirl the the weekend of the Supergirl statue dedication, she says, "I'll do my best." And then when uh, there's there's another situation, she says, "I'll try." And uh, then I think with Lena, she said, like, Lena's trying to make plans with her, but Kara kind of, you know, ditches them. And, and she says, I've just been busy and, and stuff like that. Like, she's so noncommittal to being the car part of it. But when Alex tells her about the stuff with the um, with blood sport and everything that's going on and, and how she needs to be there at the statue dedication because they, they think that's going to be a target, uh, Kara's like, well, I'll be there. You know, she she's committed to being the Supergirl part, but she she doesn't want to have anything to do with her friends. She doesn't want to have anything to do with her sister. So it was a nice payoff there at the end that she realized that that was something that she needed. She needed those people and she needed that part of her life. So, yeah, I, I, I thought that they did a good job of kind of it was almost deconstructing her character a little bit. For sure. They took her down and then they built her back up to where she needed to be. I, I couldn't agree with you more. You said it perfectly, especially hitting on all those points about the, the non-committals. Um, and I don't know for some reason why the Lena one really got to me. Like, I was just like, I was like, oh, I just want you guys to be friends. Like, you know, especially like, I don't know if it was just Katie's acting in that scene, too. I was like, I was like, oh, come on. Like, uh, just I don't know. And it, and so and even though she wasn't there at the bar at the end, the 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 text that she sends to her like about, oh, you know, I'll be at work tomorrow, boss, was uh, <laughs> was was a great little moment, too. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with you that about deconstructing her character. So then, yes, we can build her back up. And I, and I don't think we're totally out of the woods yet with with. Uh, with cars grieving, um, I definitely think we'll we'll see more of it in in future episodes this season. Um, but yeah, but uh, again, the fact that she takes that first step and goes to the bar, uh, su- such a great moment. In a way, it kind of reminded me a lot of the the season one finale, 
um, when they're all when they're all together uh, at Cars apartment um as well kind of like you know celebrating the 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 victory that they, they've gotten before uh before monel's pod comes <laughs> in and, and and just disrupts everything uh but yeah i uh i don't know it just was a, a really a beautiful way to, to end the episode and i think like you said what, what everything you said there was uh was spot on yeah and now it makes me sort of upset that lena doesn't get to go to the unnamed alien dive bar <laughs> i guess she doesn't get invited because if she did she would know maybe well, I don't know. She doesn't have to know about the DEO part of their lives. She could just know them as Kara's friends. Well, maybe now, and maybe this is a good way to talk about Lena uh, because of the big move she makes in this episode. Maybe now that she's uh, she's going to be kind of present more with with characters like James and, and Kara as well. Maybe she'll get those invites, you know, when they're when they're leaving the office. Maybe maybe now the door is open that she'll be able to to come and join them more. Uh, afterwards, I, I I hope so. Or maybe they maybe after a few drinks, they're worried that Wynn might just slip off and call <laughs> and call Kara Supergirl all of a sudden. <laughs> that that could happen. You never know what they're serving down there at the unnamed alien bar. Could be some weird alien drink that has some sort of veritaserum or something in there. Yeah, they might be uh, might be serving some blue milk from Star Wars. You never know. <laughs> could have some weird after effects. Um, but yeah, so so Lena had a big storyline in this episode what did you think about her her little feud she she started having with morgan edge i mean i really liked it personally um sure is is morgan edge uh i a big fan of adrian pastar by the way L- loved them on uh, i've loved them on heroes um i i'm i'm an agents of shield fan as well and he's recurred on that for the past couple seasons uh, he's, he's a really good actor and I'm, I'm hoping he gets more to do than just kind of stand there and be, and be the biggest jerk in the room. <laughs> um, but, uh, but in a lot of ways, um, their dynamic reminds me, I mean, uh, somewhat of, um, and forgive me here. It's for, so it's, it's, it was Cat Grant. And then what was the character in season one? Why is his name escaping me now? Um, uh, who was kind of Cat's competitor, and they sort of oh, had a history. Oh, Maxwell to... Lord. Thank you, thank you. I could not think of Maxwell Lord's name. I was like, I was like, I know the actor is uh, is the. Uh, uh, now I can't even think of the actor's name. Uh, Peter Fascinelli. Thank you, Peter Fascinelli. Yeah. Uh, so Maxwell Lord and Cat's uh, dynamic, it, it's sort of similar to that. I don't think it's going to kind of have those flirty undertones <laughs> that uh, the Cat and Maxwell's relationship had, but. Um, I, I like this idea now that um, Lena has someone who, you know, this kind of rich, powerful adversary who can kind of go head to head with her. And whereas everyone kind of has suspected in the past and maybe even now that, you know, because her last name's Luther, she has to be up to something villainous. We actually have a real villain in, in Morgan Edge, as we as we see with his actions in this premiere. Um, and I'm really I'm curious to see how this how their kind of back and forth plays out. And I'm happy with the fact that their feud led to uh, uh, Lena buying Catco because it means that she'll hopefully have more scenes with people other than Kara. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, overall, I, I, I enjoyed their feud. Again, is Morgan Edge a little kind of one note to start? Yeah, of course, but it's one episode. I'm, I'm sure they'll... Um, explore his character a little more. That's such a good point about Lena having screen time with other characters because I really enjoyed her scene where she's sitting at that boardroom table and James is there. And James is sort of sticking up for her. And I I really liked that. 
So I, I would definitely like to see more of that. And I would imagine that James and Lena would be working de- together at Catco. They're both the, the big wigs there. I'm assuming so. That's what I'm really hoping for is a lot of James and Lena this season. Um, and I'm really curious what their dynamic will be like because, you know, James in the past has not always been her biggest advocate. Mm, um, true. So I'm I'm really curious if he's going to have some initial suspicions of her or maybe he'll realize that they or maybe they'll just click after one episode. I, I don't know. But the idea of her being in the Catco offices and just getting that chance to be around those other characters more really excites me because um, even when I, I interviewed Katie at Comic-Con this summer, um, she even said about like wanting to interact more with uh, other actors i think i forget i forget who asked her the question at my table but someone said like is there a cast member you haven't um had a chance to have a scene with yet that you really want to and she kind of was like uh all of them (laughs) Um, she's like she's like as much as i love melissa uh you know and uh and so i think it will be it'll be nice for the audience it'll be i think probably be nice for katie too as an actress um and uh i'm I'm really curious to see what her dynamic is with james moving forward and and if they butt heads or or if things are a little more simpatico who knows yeah i do like the idea that she bought catco i thought that that was a good one i i sort of was really uh, I, i guess i shouldn't say i was sort of i was really excited that morgan was going to buy catco when they talked about it in the episode because that that plays into his character's history with wgbs and and all of the stuff that he goes through in the the comics, uh, the World Galaxy Broadcasting System. Uh, so I, I was excited about that. But then I, I like the twist of Lena coming up from from underneath there and, and snatching it up before he, he got <laughs> to it. I, I, I did like that. Uh, she she played him when he wasn't uh, he wasn't watching, and so I thought that that was really clever of her. And the one thing that really made me laugh about Lena and uh morgan edge's dynamic is that she says to him that he has all the charisma of a michael douglas movie from the 80s <laughs> and i was like lena what's wrong with michael douglas movies from the 80s those are some of my favorite movies like romancing the stone jewel of the nile come on those are great movies what are you talking about i i was left kind of scratching my head at that line too i was just like oh wow i was like she's not a michael douglas fan i was like uh, okay all right that's something we didn't know about lana luther i guess i mean she's uh been watching michael douglas movies she wouldn't have known about that unless she's been watching them so we we have more information about lana luther and what she does in her spare time her film taste yes <laughs> i'm sure she and Kara would have a lot to discuss because Kara is a big classic film fan she she watches a lot of classic films when she's at home by herself in her apartment so i, I imagine that Kara has seen some of those movies some of the, some of those michael douglas movies from the 80s uh they are now classics i think <laughs> romancing the stone would probably be considered a classic now so i, I got a little agitated with lena i was like what what do, what do you have a problem with lena come on <laughs> you're really making me want to uh want to pitch a like movie night episode to yes! the, uh, supergirl writers now or at least like a scene where we start an episode off and like Kara and lena are just sitting there with popcorn like arguing over what they thought about the ending of Casablanca or something like that. Like I, or, you know, if we could go, if we could go into like, yeah, maybe we get a romancing the stone shout out. I'm totally fine with that. I want that now. I'm a hundred percent on board. Yeah. I would definitely be into that. I think they would have a lot to talk about. They probably would bump heads a little bit. Um, but I think that that, that would be cool. Um, and 
And speaking of Morgan Edge, we got to meet somebody who was helping him do some shady business in this episode, a character named Bloodsport. What did you think about this guy? He, he was sort of the big villain. Well, I guess Morgan Edge was kind of the villain, but then Bloodsport was helping him out. So what did you think about him in this episode? Uh, he kind of didn't make an impression on me too much either way. Um, and, and nothing against the actor. Uh, it just was... He was kind of just the stock villain for the week for me, personally. I did like the fact that uh, he, you know, that this tech he had was, um, that he kind of stole from the Daxamite ship uh, was going to be such a thorn in the side for the DEO. And um, I I also like the fact, too, that he was on a sub because that's just something we haven't seen yet in Supergirl. And that was like a a cool kind of new uh, threat that Kara had to take out. Um, but the character as, as uh, on his own, um, uh, not a, neither good nor bad. He was he was perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah, he was just kind of he was almost a henchman a little bit to Morgan Edge. Exactly. He seemed to take orders for uh, from him and and do his bidding. So he wasn't really a, a villain on his own. I wouldn't wouldn't say. Uh, so I w- I would agree with you there. He he did he did some some bad things. He uh, roughed Supergirl up a little bit, and uh, he wore black, so he was definitely a villain. Uh, <laughs> so I guess, I guess uh, you know, he, he, he did what he was supposed to do. I guess we could say that. And I would agree with you that the, uh, the submarine thing was awesome. When she lifts that submarine out of the water, that was, that was really cool. It was great, and I thought the effects on it were great. It's, it still amazes me this show does what it does on the budget it has, too, sometimes. Because it's like, I mean... Her lifting that sub out of the water was was something that was that was a really I don't know I I love that we cut to commercial after that too like it was just a nice like uh, a nice image to to kind of close that sequence out on yeah it was very victorious she saved the day but she she looked like it took a lot out of her <laughs> yeah, for sure she was uh, not all smiles when she had that submarine up in the air um, but actually. Uh, seeing Supergirl underwater was one of the things that I really was sort of wanting to see on the show because we initially when Supergirl Radio covered uh, the novel, the the kind of the young adult novel that's coming out that's tied into the show called uh, uh, Supergirl Age of Atlantis. Uh, that that made me think, oh, Atlantis, that would be cool if like Supergirl goes to Atlantis. I would want to see Supergirl swimming underwater. And in this episode, I sort of got it. She didn't go to Atlantis, but she swam underwater. And so I, I thought that that was pretty cool to see the, the cape and the water and, and all of that. Uh, I don't know if, if they did the speed effects. Uh, I, I don't know if they they could have shown her uh, super speeding, I guess, underwater. But I'll let it go because it was cool looking. And the, <laughs> the, the, the be- there were some pretty beautiful shots underwater. I thought that they did a good job. And Melissa obviously was clearly really underwater so i'm sure she had to to do a lot of work to uh, work on her breathing and all of that kind of thing so kudos to melissa for <laughs> staying in staying in that water for probably a long time because i know those things <laughs> take a take a while to do it certainly did i couldn't agree more i love the love the whole sequence i think that was another thing too with this premiere um I not only emotionally did it work but then yeah we got that action sequence at the end and i think it was one of the more you know, last season we had you know uh, Supergirl and Superman teaming up together, and and now we kind of you know it, it, I think it's a good thing you know, and obviously in the in the series premiere we have the the plane, um, and so it's kind of like I like now that 
each premiere we're getting these kind of big uh these big kind of action sequences to really kick things off with and this was another another top-notch one yeah and they were doing something they had never done before uh you know speaking of supergirl going underwater that that was something that we hadn't seen on the show we've seen supergirl catch things in the air and lift you know big heavy things up in the air but you know going down into the water and grabbing a submarine and lifting it up that that was definitely different and awesome. Uh, and I enjoyed, uh, speaking of her superpowers, I enjoyed seeing a lot more of superhearing. Uh, we, we got some really cool moments with superhearing in uh, this episode where she had to really focus up. And, and she, she even heard Bloodsport's heartbeat, and that's how she found the sub. So I, I really enjoyed that. Me as well. And uh, some, some X-ray vision, which we don't always get a ton of, too, which I thought was nice to see. Um, yeah, she was she was using every every single power this uh, this week, which uh, it's it's nice. You know, I like when we don't when we don't always have it doesn't always have to be heat vision. It doesn't always have to be super strength. When we can uh, can we we can mix it up a little bit. And uh, now I I agree with and especially with the, the heartbeat. That's a that's a great that's a great point because I don't even know I can't remember the last time we've seen her use her if we've ever seen her use her super hearing for something like that before. Yeah. It's it's been a while, and X Ray, you made a good point. X Ray, we don't get to see her use that much either, and I really liked the way they used it because there was a soldier who who came to her defense, and and he got injured, and that was one of those moments that Cara Danvers wanted to come out of Supergirl a little bit as she showed a lot of compassion to that soldier and and told him that he was going to be okay, and I was like, oh, Supergirl, and that's such a good moment definitely and the conflict in that scene too because for a second there you don't know if she's gonna leave him oh yeah and just go after blood sport because that's in our mind is, is like is she so obsessed with stopping the bad guy is that whole compassionate part totally gone and because uh, even earlier in the episode when she saves the family she doesn't stay around to to say anything or do anything so i was like is she and uh, but i like that yeah she uses the x-ray vision and like you said that little bit of Kara comes out even when she tells him like hey you're gonna be okay um really again great moment to point out yeah i i like that moment but then i was also sort of questioning her because i was like car are you not gonna fly him to the hospital <laughs> you're just gonna <laughs> leave him there but i in my mind i'll justify it as maybe she couldn't move him maybe she needed the uh ambulance the the emergency people to come and and you know, pick him up or whatever and do their medical thing. Maybe, maybe she was worried that if she picked him up and flew him, she'd be too fast or something. I don't know. That's how I'm going to justify it in my head. But I was like, really, you're just going to leave the guy on the ground and walk away. I think those justifications work perfectly. Yes. I, that's, <laughs> that's how I'm going to uh, work it out in my brain. Uh, but yeah, so Bloodsport did make uh, an appearance in this episode and in the comics. If you're curious, he made his first appearance in the comics in Superman Volume 2, Number 4, from April 1987. So it was good to see uh, a new comic book character show up on the series. Um, and so since we've sort of been talking about the villains, we get introduced to uh, a mysterious mother figure. Uh, we don't know her name just yet. Uh, and and her daughter Ruby. We do know her daughter's name is Ruby. So so, what do you think about this uh, mysterious stranger that that uh, interacts with Alex? I'm walking cautiously here uh, <laughs> to say what to say. Uh, I think it's very interesting that she had appears to have powers and didn't seem to know she had them. Um, so I'm curious where those come from. Came from. Um, I'm also very curious 
uh, about obviously that nightmare she has at the end uh, and kind of what that means for this character. Uh, and I think um, overall, it seems like whatever is going on with her, she's either not, she's not aware of in any way. Um, so I think that's going to be a very interesting storyline going further uh, going forward because I'm sure we have not seen the last of uh, of this mother character <laughs> and uh, and and I think uh, her journey, the fact that she's doesn't seem necessarily to be a willing participant in it at this point, um, should lead to some very interesting conflicts potentially. Yeah, her nightmare, which was a great cliffhanger for the episode to go out on. I was like, okay, I'm. I mean, I was going to come back for the next episode anyway, but I, this has my attention now. Um, what the weird thing I thought uh, about in regards to that nightmare is that she is seeing the same dream that Kara had. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you for bringing that up. What are your <laughs> thoughts on that? Because she sees Alora, played by Erica Durance now, if, if anybody was confused, because when I rewatched the episode, I thought, if people don't know who Erica Durance is playing, they might be a little confused about this. So just if you, if you were not aware... Uh, and had not been listening to Supergirl Radio this uh, for this summer for season 2.5. Uh, Laura Benanti could not come back to the show, so Erica Durance was recast as a Laura. Just wanted to get that out there. So uh, do you have any thoughts about why this mysterious mother figure is sharing Kara's dreams? So here are my thoughts. Completely wild speculation. I just want to make this clear to listeners. I I have read no spoilers. I have read no interviews. I have no inside information. So to me, it, what makes it what makes me very curious about this is the fact that I think these dreams are actually peering into something real, potentially. I think maybe we're looking at maybe whatever. Maybe it's a Phantom Zone esque kind of place that Monel ended up in. Oh, and that maybe there's something evil there as well. And so the fact that perhaps Kara is able to look into it, and this mother character as well is able to look into it, is maybe Monel's trying to reach out to Kara, and this evil is trying to reach out to this woman. That's a that's a pretty good speculation because you know if if Monel is in in the phantom or you know maybe he did go to the phantom zone and something weird is happening like you never know there could be some timey wimey something that's happening uh, so that's that's a pretty good speculation I have no I have no thoughts like I don't know how um, although if you want to wait to the the spoiler section we could talk about it there <laughs> something maybe in the spoiler section for next week uh, could maybe uh, come into play uh, but I won't do that there in case anybody doesn't want to be spoiled but uh, yeah I think I think it's something to pay attention to that Kara and and this uh, this figure I, I kind of don't want to say her name or who she's supposed to play until like the show introduces her just in case people haven't been listening uh, I'm very I'm very aware of uh, spoilers because I'm, I'm a little paranoid myself. Totally understand. So I, I, I think that is very interesting that uh, Kara has had these dreams. And even in Kara's dreams, like when she wakes up out of the dream, she doesn't have the happiness anymore because it's not real. But in the dreams, it's a happy thing. She hugs her mother. She kisses Monel. Everything is great and beautiful and gorgeous. And in this, this other woman's dream, it's a nightmare. Allura turns into like a monster. 
So uh, I, I think the, the contrast of those dreams is, is what's very striking there. It's a great cliffhanger to leave us off on, leave us off on. And like, like you said, it's kind of like, what do we think? Uh, not really sure. Like, again, I'm throwing out some wild speculation there. But the point is, is we're, we're invested in it. And I think that's why it was such a, a good note to, to leave the episode off on. I agree. I'm very interested in seeing uh, what comes of that. So I guess we'll have to keep watching. Uh, so, Chris, do you have anything else you wanted to throw out there or, or, or any overall thoughts about this episode, what you thought about it? Um, I, I think we covered uh, most of everything. There is something in the... Uh, in the uh, the the listener feedback that we'll read, it, which is a, a moment that I want to talk about more, but I'll save it. I'll save it for that. Um, uh, but uh, but overall, I just thought this was a, a really nice kind of solid premiere to kind of reestablish uh, Supergirl, um, both as a character, you know, as a show. Um, it's just good to have it back. And uh, I, I again, I really thought Melissa Melissa was the MVP of the whole episode, and just. Uh, there were just so many um, emotional moments, uh, b- both involving her and, and involving other char- uh, a couple other characters, which again I'll, I'll get I'll get to in the listener feedback. Um, but uh, but yeah, overall, just really nice to have the show back, uh, a, a strong premiere for sure, and uh, it really it really set up some interesting uh, some interesting conflicts for uh, for the season ahead. So uh, I was I was a big fan. Yeah, I agree. This was a solid premiere for me. I thought it did a, a lot of great things emotionally for the characters. It opened up some story possibilities. It did some fresh things that we hadn't seen before. So I really enjoyed this one. And I was especially glad uh, about some of the things they did with James. And I have to give some shout outs to to uh, James the Grown Man Olsen uh, because <laughs> I gave him a little bit, well, not a little bit, a, a pretty a pretty hard time last season um, just because of the way they, uh, I felt like in season two, they were stripping away everything that made him Jimmy Olsen. Like they were just taking all of his traits away. And in this episode, they seemed to be adding them back in. And I was so excited. Like he used the signal watch. He said, he uh, said a bit of a uh, bit of dialogue to Carr. He says, guardian means a lot to me, but so does James Olsen. And I was like, yes. Uh, because I, I really, I felt like James Olsen was, was missing in season two. And so I was glad that some of that is coming back into his character. So I was glad to see that. And I also just wanted to mention really quickly that I was glad to see Kat Grant in this episode. I know we're not going to get her a lot this season, uh, but I thought it was very fitting (laughs) that she is now (laughs) President Marsden's press secretary. Uh, I think that's a great fit for, uh, Kat Grant. She was doing a bang up job, whatever they were talking about every time they would cut to her in the little interstitials uh, between cuts it, it just kept making me laugh because I was like she is talking about something I mean she is setting everybody straight <laughs> uh, so I really I really enjoyed that and I thought it was not only is it a smart way to move her off the canvas of the show when they can't use her, they can just say, oh, she's hanging out with President Marsden. Uh, so, uh, and, and it was an organic thing because at the end of season two, she interacted with President Marsden on Air Force One. So they established a connection there. So it made sense. But it was also 
a tie to Cat Grant in the comics, because in the comics during Lex Luthor's presidency, she is the press secretary for Lex. Ah. So I thought that that was a, a, a really cool nod to her comic book character, and it was a great fit for um, how they deal with her and 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 how they can't deal with her, really, uh, because she's probably going to have a limited number of episodes. I don't know how many but uh, she won't be around as a regular, so it's a great way to have her on the show and, and uh, a good fit for her <laughs> career-wise. She did a great job. <laughs> I could not agree more. Yeah, so it was good to, good to see some of those elements of the show um, added back in, and, and I, I thought it was a great premiere. Good stuff. Uh, so I guess that's going to do it for our discussion, but let's find out uh, what some of our listeners had to say about Girl of Steel. And Chris, if you don't mind uh, being, my, being my co-host for this episode and, and reading some of these tweets. <coughs> yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, okay, and to anybody's Twitter handle, I apologize if I butcher it in any way. I am not the best reader, despite the fact that I was an English major. Don't tell my college. Um, uh <laughs> Um, so Mark, uh, HBPWM, uh, he has this to say. He says, surprised they used Boston's John Hancock Tower for Edge's office. Usually Boston skyline is Earth One Star City. Couldn't find an L.A. building or just lazy. That's a good eye. I would not have known that. It's good to point that out. Yeah, totally. That is, again, that's a that's a great pick and a detail I wouldn't have known. So uh, that's definitely something we'll have to kind of look into and maybe see if any there's any change to uh, Edge's office as the season goes along. Um, then Chris Fondolinski brought up, this is a moment I wanted to talk about. Ah, Space Dad. I love seeing <laughs> Alex uh, asking John, I'm not crying, hearts and emojis. Uh, you're not crying. I sure as heck almost did. Um, <laughs> because that to me was the, st- that was my favorite moment from the episode. Um, that and kind of Kara's awakening uh, there. Uh, but th- that was just such an earned moment between Alex and John, him asking or her asking him to walk her down the aisle. I, uh, I loved it. I thought it was great that they at least mentioned Jeremiah. Uh, but I also laughed because where is Jeremiah? Nobody knows where he is. <laughs> Someone go find Jeremiah. In season two, Alex was like, I'm going to go find my dad. I'm going to make him a mission to find my dad. And everybody just forgot about poor Jeremiah. And now he's been replaced. Um, so I was sort of laughing about how Jeremiah had to take a seat uh, uh, in this in this regard. But it was a really sweet moment between Alex and Jean because I, I do think without Jeremiah there, Jean really does fill that fatherly void in her life. So I, I, I did think that was great. And he and he was like, do I need to wear a tux? So he, it was, he was pretty cute about it. Oh, yeah. And the fact that we see, you know, these two like, you know, kind of hard-nosed characters tearing up. And then Alex had the comment, like, we can't cry in front of these people. They can't know that we cry. (laughs) was great as well. Uh, Then continuing here, At the Devil Jackie says, that dream sequence being similar to the Justice Justice League trailer and the use of harnessing anger of this episode brought up all of the emotions. Yeah, it was was a great sequence. It was very wonderfully shot, and uh, it it looked so peaceful in that field, wherever they were. Uh, I was like, where, where is this? Where can I just go and frolic in the fields? That looks so like a lot of fun. Exactly. And do I have to wear white? That's that's my only thing. Cause... <laughs> white, or, white or blue, really. Those, yeah, that's those right. Those are two options. There you go. It's a strict dress code in that field. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Uh, and then Cal Lucas said, "All I could hear was uh, was Katie. Uh, is is it McGrath? By the way, I think I uh, is it Katie? Is it I, Katie Mc- I think when I've heard her say it, it's like it's almost like she drops the T and the H. It's almost like okay. K- Katie McGrath. But, okay, but I think most people say McGrath. But I think if 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 you're going with like her accent and the way she says it, she, it's more like Katie McGrath. Uh, okay, Katie McGrath's accent. I, her accent's lovely. So yes, I it will is try. very nice. <laughs> I was I'm I'm not gonna lie, guys. Full 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 on truth here, confessional time. When I interviewed her at San Diego this this summer, totally fell in love. Still not over it. Um, <laughs> but uh, all I could hear was Katie's accent. Can't wait for Edge and Rain to be great villains. And once again, uh, Kyler made me cry. Uh, yeah, um, definitely some interesting villains are are coming down the line. I think and. Uh, about Katie's accent, I heard it a couple of times, maybe more than I did last season, but eh, whatever. Yeah, I kind of just go with it. I know it's going to come in and out, but uh, you know, it it does it does stick out sometimes. Um, but I, I I would like to say one qu- quick thing about Kyler. Uh, she did a great job in this episode as well. Um, that scene between Kyler and Melissa, where Alex and Kara are like fighting with each other, I was like glued to my TV. It, that was a great scene. Oh, definitely, and I also loved her and uh, Alex's, or excuse me, Alex and Maggie's uh, conversation over the comms that Wynn was listening into about why she didn't want a big wedding. I thought that was also a really nice moment for her. Anytime that uh, Kyler gets to be a little more vulnerable like that, I'm I'm a big fan um, because I've always enjoyed her work, even like going back to Grey's Anatomy. Um, where she definitely got to be like a more emotional kind of character. You know, not that Alex doesn't have emotions. I'm not saying that. Although that was a, a nice joke uh, 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 earlier in the episode. I forget what the exact line was where they um, where they kind of poke fun at her. Uh, where, where John and and Windu, but uh, but when she's able to kind of uh, kind of let the let the guard down a little bit, I think she really shines the most. Yeah, John says that Alex has an unrelenting seriousness, and it's one of her best <laughs> qualities. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed that. We didn't really talk much about Alex and Maggie because it wasn't a huge part of the episode, but uh, I, I enjoyed the, the way that that was uh, choreographed where they were talking over the, the comms and they were just sort of talking through their earpieces. And I, I thought that was a clever way to go about that conversation because it was, uh, the, the way it was blocked, you know, they were distant because some, there, was a, there was something that Alex wasn't telling Maggie. And so they actually visually showed the distance between them in that scene. So I thought that was great. Cannot agree more about the blocking. That's a great point. Um, now, Madtown Davidson says, I thought it was a good premiere. I don't really care at all about Mr. Mean Real Estate, uh, a.k.a. Morgan Edge, uh, <laughs> but I am excited for everything else. Uh, well, thank you for your thoughts. As, as we said, I think Morgan's going to get some more layers to him as the season goes along. I, I would think so anyway. I think we have to call him Mr. Mean, uh, mean Mr. <laughs> Real Estate. Uh, from now on, that's a that's a good title. I think I think that is a very good title for him. More meaning the serial today. That is great. Um, uh, Israel K uh, twenty six thousand writes. I'm glad for times uh, you feared Kara's uh, humanity was gone, but saw past the grief. Uh, like uh, like she went when she went for the soldier instead of pursuing blood. Uh, yeah, a great moment which we brought up earlier for sure. Um, I, uh, I I totally agree there. It was uh, a really nice job of, of showing Kara kind of breaking through the the kind of stern exterior she put out. Yeah, definitely. Patty Mello, 20, 
uh, writes, really good episode. There was a Twilight moment there, but I'm over it, and so is Kara, and we can be happy again. Hashtag Sanver's wedding is coming. I'm not as familiar with the Twilight reference. I only saw the first movie, and I laughed about the vampire baseball for a really, really long time. <laughs> and so I never I never went to see the, the rest of the movies. Um, I know a lot of people love them. Uh, vampire baseball was not for me. Uh, but uh, I hope, I, I'm, I'm glad that, that you can move past it, Patty Mello, and, uh, and we can move forward. So whatever that Twilight moment was, uh, I don't know if that's a good reference or a bad reference. Uh, but but not, we, not the best. Yeah, not the best. Okay. Uh, so so at least at least we can move forward, I guess. Yeah, I got I got dragged to way too many of those movies back when <laughs> I, as I was trying to be a very good friend to some of my uh, my 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 girlfriends in in college or in college and in high school, and I was just like, uh, 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 and then I think after the third one, I was like, nope, I'm tapping out. I can't do any more of these. <laughs> uh, Ma- Manatee Walrus uh, writes, I thought it was a promising start for what looks to be an excellent season. Once again, though, Cat Grant steals the show. Cat Grant always steals the she show. She always does. Nicole P. Uh, 0706 writes, at first, I really did not like this episode. I love Cara's usually happy self, and seeing her like this had me worried. The ending made up for it. And I can understand where Nicole's coming from. We we don't like seeing Cara Danvers broody, but, you know, I think it was appropriate for everything she's been through. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think that was a, a, a natural progression for, for, for this episode coming out of what she went through at the end of season two. Um, then the circ, uh, the Cicero, uh, Cicero, yes, the Cicero, the Cicero cat. Thank you. For some reason, I read the C after the E. I was like Circo, and then yeah, the Cicero cat. Uh, again, college education doing me well here. Uh, do do you think that mysterious ship was? Uh, do we want to say a certain villain's name? Or? Uh, you you can say the villain's name because I don't I don't guess we've said who the villain is tied to True. in the episode. Yeah, so go ahead and say the name. Okay, so do you think that mysterious ship was Reigns or was it for some other uh, heretofore unseen world killer? Love the use of heretofore. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I I was trying to study that ship, trying to find out what if there were any hints to it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it could be virtually anyone's ship at this point because ships just kind of come and go <laughs> on Supergirl. <laughs> um, but the fact that it's underwater is very interesting. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I guess we need more information on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll, if it is, we'll find out in, in future episodes. Um, and then our, our last tweet here, um, at Shoop23, great season opener. Do you think the missiles hitting uh, uh, again? What is be- what uh, what this Twitter user believes is Rain's pod activated something in it, triggering her uh, triggering uh, abilities for Rain, and then hashtag New Fifty Two Giddiness. <laughs> yeah. So I I don't know. I th- I think there could be a connection between. Um, abilities in the ship but i i don't i don't know i i think a lot of it is really mysterious right now like the un the possibly unknown abilities the the ship that's been that's been buried in the water the nightmare that has happened i yeah i'm i'm very curious as to where all of that is going definitely a a lot of seats planted and we're going to kind of just have to wait and see how they uh 
how they all kind of uh, how it all turns out. But uh, I, I love the speculation that people are throwing out here. It's uh, it's great. It's great when a show allows you to do that too. Yeah, it's always nice to have. You know, I, I know a lot of people are like, well, give me all the answers. Give me all the answers. I'm like, no. I want questions yep. because questions means I get more story coming and some, some more stuff is is going to be uh, presented to me. And I, I like sort of solving the puzzle. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm always excited for more questions. So I'm glad we got some in this premiere. Um, and it was great seeing everyone's Twitter handles again. I, I recognize some of these names and some of these are new names. So welcome to new listeners of Supergirl Radio. Uh, we're glad you're here and uh, welcome back, old friends. Uh, I was glad to celebrate Supergirl with you and uh, and get to chat about the show. Uh, and so before we wrap up our feedback, we've got some emails, so uh, we'll get to the first one. Uh, we have one from Susan who writes, quote, I hope you all had a great summer. I have been listening to the Character Spotlight episodes and wanted to say a quick thank you. As a non-comic reader, they are really helpful and interesting and interesting context to get me excited for the upcoming season well i'm glad that you enjoy that uh susan that's that's why we do them even even for us it helps us understand who we're talking about when we get into the season so i'm glad they are useful to you uh susan also goes on to say i also wanted to share that i don't think you fully appreciate the unbelievable get that betty buckley is she is most well known amongst gen x for playing the stepmother in the hit 70s TV show Eight is Enough. But in New York theater circles, she is a true legend. She played the lead and won a Tony for the original production of Cats, ushering in the era of the modern musical Some Love, Some Hate, and her name goes above the marquee and sells out Broadway theaters. There are very few people of her generation in her league. I am sure the producers know that, and I cannot wait to see what they do with her, unquote. So thank you for that context, Susan. Uh, I was not as familiar with Betty Buckley, but it does sound like she has quite the reputation in the Broadway scene. So I'm excited to see what she has in store for us on Supergirl. Definitely. And it, that makes sense, given the, the Belantiverse kind of castings as well with, you know, people like Jeremy Jordan or, or, or Victor Garber. Um, who do have these these theater backgrounds. But uh, I was not aware as well uh, about Betty Buckley's uh, history. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to know that, too. And now I'm, I'm even more excited to see what she can bring to the show. Um, and then we uh, also have an email from Alex. Alex Danvers, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, and Alex writes, um, I will give a thumbs up to any episode containing a true Supergirl moment, such as lifting a submarine out of the ocean. Definitely a true Supergirl moment. Um, I hope Dark Kara was just for this episode. I was glad to see Kara join the gang at the bar uh, at the end of this episode, um, as well as her final text exchange with Lena. Uh, Dark is fine for vigilantes like Batman or Arrow, but not for Supergirl or Superman or Flash. Um, I recently read an article with Andrew Kreisberg where he said this season would go back to more Danvers sisters, uh, Danvers sisters moments, as well as more Super Friends meaning Kara, Wynn, and James, working together. These were the best aspects of Season 1, and it's good to see the show returning to its strengths. Kreisberg also said in uh, recent articles that the tone on The Flash would be lighter this year, resembling Season 1. Is this Kreisberg admitting he actually listens to criticisms from the fan bases of his shows? I can't speak for him, because I don't know. Uh, but I imagine that they do... 
uh, or at least they are aware of what people say. Uh, I, I've heard some showrunners care about that kind of stuff and some don't. Some some just kind of stick to their plan, but some people are more receptive. It just kind of depends on the showrunner and how they operate. Um, but it, it does seem like some of the feedback does get taken into account. Um, but we'll, we'll see how it shakes out. But I, I, th- I think the tone of Supergirl, it, it seems to maybe be a little darker this season, but uh, we'll, we'll have to see how it shakes out. At least at the end of the, the premiere, Kara seems to be back to her old self. So I think as long as, as Kara stays who she is, I, I don't mind a little, uh, little uh, grimmer situation. I, I almost welcome it. It'd be, it'd be a nice change for the show. No, uh, definitely. And I, and I think with regard to what's you know i think what you said is is right on right on the money rebecca with you know every showrunner is different um we don't know what uh andrew kreisberg how he'll respond uh i mean definitely in the age of social media showrunners and writers can hear fans more than they ever could before um so i'm sure there are there's some type of consideration um i mean i also know like you know again going back to the flash or even the shows like arrow there's been you know criticism of both of those shows in the past with you know going darker or being um kind of kind of you know uh almost like uh you know kind of being too broody or too too serious or too melancholy um and i think we have seen some creative response to that i think it's too soon to really say what supergirl season three is going to be like because we've only had one episode um, but I think the show in the past has struck a nice balance sometimes with the darkness and the light, and I would expect to see that going forward. And and I, and I agree with you, Rebecca. As long as Kara is still Kara, you know, you know, she's been through new experiences. She might she's maybe matured in some other you know in some different ways. But as long as the her, her kind of basic DNA is still there as a character, I'm I'm down to see whatever the show wants to explore. Yeah, and I'm always a, a big advocate for stories needing a little darkness in order to, to find the light, in order to see what the light is, because you, you need both in order to distinguish that. So I think I think having a little darkness on, on Supergirl is good, because then, then you know where the light is. Um, well, we have another email from Ricard who writes, quote, I envy Rebecca for being able to like Monel. I really do. I wish I could find myself... I find myself to like him because the show would be so much better if I did. But but as it stands now, I think last season was a complete disaster and I just could not feel bad for Kara in the season premiere episode. How am I supposed to feel bad for her when all I'm thinking is, you are better off without him? And Ricard, like that's that's a fair thing to think, I think. Even though I do like Mono, I'm a little more on the, the mon-positive side of the scale. But uh, I can understand that if you did not like him as a character, this season premiere would not work for you because Kara's grieving period over Monel was what drove the episode. So I, I totally understand. I, I hope that moving forward, the show will, will pick up for you. Uh, but that that makes a lot of sense. No, I, I agree, and I think it's definitely a uh, again a, a valid uh, a valid reaction to have. I mean, there are a bunch of people out there who don't like Monel. There are a bunch of people who do. Um, and I mean, all, all I'll say to you, uh, all I would say is uh, to compare it to an experience I've had, where um, sometimes personally for me, you know, I watch all the DC shows on the CW. Uh, sometimes with me watching The Flash, um, I, it's not that I don't like Barry and Iris together necessarily, or that I don't even like them as characters. It's just sometimes I feel like uh, the show has tried to like kind of force them necessarily, which I know a lot of people felt last season with. Uh, Monel and Kara that it didn't really happen organically necessarily, um, but. 
if either character, if either Barry or Iris was upset because one of them was gone for whatever reason or, you know, could have died or or whatever it was, I just tried to put myself in the shoes of that character and say, you know what, I, I can I, I care so much about this character, even if it's not necessarily what I, I think they need or really should want. Um, it's important to me how they feel. And and it doesn't always work. I've, I've been in your position before where I was just kind of like, Ugh, really? Uh but uh, but no, but it's uh, hopefully you know the show this season is able to um, is able to help you kind of understand where Kara's head's at and where her heart's at. More importantly, um, with regard to Monel and and any other character, and hopefully it becomes maybe more believable or or more enjoyable for you. But again, it's it's a totally valid reaction, and and I mean I'm sure again you're not alone in that. Every fan every fan's allowed to have their opinion. Uh, and then we also have an email from Greg H who writes, uh, I like the new logo of the intro. I think it fits the tone of this new season. I know a lot of people may think the tone is too dark for a Supergirl show, but I'm sure it will eventually lighten up as we get closer to the season finale in spring 2018. Do you agree? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so we did talk a little bit about that, and uh, I, I think Greg is talking about the logo that ha- comes up at the end of the first segment. Uh, it di- it was definitely different. It uh, had a red S shield with like the Supergirl title in black font with a black background. So it was definitely sh- shouting darkness <laughs> uh, <laughs> with all the with all the black. So I I think it's fitting. It's it it, uh, it does set the tone really of of the season. So I, I'm glad that they sort of played around with that. Uh, definitely, and from a, just a completely superficial standpoint too, I just think it looks cool. Um, and, and I and I th- I like the fact that these shows do switch up what the logo looks like, you know, each season, um, and kind of signaling to the audience what might happen, um, and and what the show might be like. And yeah, I mean, again, I similar to you, Rebecca, I, I welcome some darkness. I re- I welcome some challenge for Kara, um, and and the rest of the characters this season. Uh, uh, things. You know, like like you said, you need things to get dark so you can appreciate the lighter moments. And uh, as long as as long as the characters remain the characters I, I know and love, I'm I'm totally fine with whatever whatever uh, whatever comes their way. Uh, so our final email comes from Rachel, who writes, "Quote: Love the podcast. Been listening since February, but this is my first time sending in feedback for an episode. So thank you for doing that, Rachel. We appreciate you listening and for writing in." Uh, Rachel goes on to say, my question for you all is, do you think Kara's dream sequences are entirely her own? In the background of the opening sequence, there was a planet that looked like it could be Saturn. And we know that Saturn Girl is making her debut later in the season. As she is a telepath, could she have sent Kara the dreams, both the first one of her mother and Monel, and the second one of Monel telling her to wake up, using the information she has in the future of the most important to Kara in order to give her hope and tell her, albeit subconsciously, that Monel is not dead? Because Kara does not know her yet, she couldn't appear in the visions herself, but she could give her a hint as to who is sending her the dreams and use Monel as a messenger of some sort to inspire Kara when she is at her lowest point. Uh, Rachel goes on to say, this is probably a far-reaching theory, but it was just uh, my perspective on what the opening could mean, unquote. So that that's a pretty good speculation, too. I think that even, Chris, that sort of plays into your speculation a little bit about how maybe something is going on with Monel and how that's feeding into her dreams. So... Who knows? I, I think it could be that or it could be possibly another character who 
might be coming on the show next week, <laughs> so you're going to have to listen in the spoiler section. Uh, but yeah, I th- it's, it's, a, it's a valid speculation. We'll have to see if it uh, plays out. And if, if you're right, Rachel, we'll have, we'll have to keep tabs on that. If, if nothing else, it's an incredibly well thought out theory. Like, even if it doesn't prove to be correct, that's a that's an awesome, I respect the hell out of that theory. Well, that's going to do it for our feedback and, and all of our thoughts on this episode on, on Girl of Steel. Uh, Chris, thank you so much for coming in here and uh, being my co-host for this episode. How can our listeners find you on the internet if they want to get in touch? Uh, well, first of all, again, Rebecca, I just want to say thank you so much for, for having me on. Um, always a pleasure chatting Supergirl with you and just and just talking to you in general you're 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 a pleasure to to co-host with uh so whenever whenever you need someone to step in you know uh just give me give me a shout um but uh for anyone who isn't tired of hearing my voice and or thoughts uh <laughs> you can uh you can find me uh on twitter it's uh at c kinger 13 so that's c k-i-n-g-e-r one three um i uh I, uh, as I said, uh, as we said at the top, I'm a co-host of iZombie Radio, which is on the uh, the DC TV podcast network as well. Um, so we're pumping out episodes of that uh, once every two weeks during the hiatus. Uh, so you can listen to me on there. And then I also uh, write TV reviews uh, about Supergirl, um, which you can find on my Twitter. Um, and I also write about, I'll be writing about Riverdale this season and about... Um, arrow as well and then once they come back i'll be writing about new girl and iZombie. so yeah all my thoughts you can find everything uh what i do on my twitter and again that handles at seekinger 13 and uh yeah thank you guys so much for having me i i love being on this podcast well thank again thank you for coming on and and maybe one day supergirl is gonna have zombies <laughs> I, I i i i just have have this feeling in my gut that like they're going to do a zombie episode one, one season, and we're going to have to bring all of you guys from my zombie radio on to talk about it. Because uh, I'm not a zombie expert, so I definitely <laughs> would need someone to come on it and talk about that. I will will it into existence so it can happen. <laughs> <I will. laughs> nice, nice. Well, well, we'll have to look forward to that if it ever ever happens. Um, but in the meantime, if you would like to contact Supergirl Radio and share your thoughts about the premiere, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can leave us a voicemail uh, by calling 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play and iHeartRadio, and we have a playlist on Spotify, so you can definitely check that out. And I've updated the music from uh, the, the season three premiere, had some good good tunes on there, so I've updated the Spotify playlist with all the 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 musical tracks from that episode and we are listed on dc's fan page which you can find at dccomics.com forward slash dc dash fans and of course you can find us on itunes and stitcher so if you've got some time uh go and rate uh rate us and leave us a review if you would like and if you, if this is so much information which i know it is uh you can find all of these links to all of these things uh on supergirlradio.com at the right side of the page so if you're like where do i find the spotify playlist <laughs> just go to supergirlradio.com that's awesome uh and also just to remind you guys supergirl radio is a part of the dc tv podcast network um great network of shows on there so if you like Arrow, Flash, Others of Tomorrow, iZombie, classic DC shows, and if you're interested in the upcoming Black Lightning, Krypton, and Titan shows, you can subscribe to the DC TV podcast on iTunes and follow DC TV podcast on Twitter and like the DC TV podcast on Facebook. Uh, all great shows there with great hosts, um, and uh, although none are better than Rebecca and myself, obviously. And, uh, <laughs> 
just 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 kidding. Um, yeah, but if you're if you're interested in any and all of the shows, guys, it's the it's the uh, it's the channel to check out. Yeah, we've got a big mega feed. If you go on iTunes, you can search for DC TV Podcasts, and you'll get all of our podcasts in that feed. So you don't have to subscribe to each individual podcast. You can do that right there. Um, and you can follow me personally on Twitter at Derby Kid. That's D E R B Y K I D. Uh, I today I decided that for the rest of the week. I'm going to just respond and write tweets all in emoji. I'm tired <laughs> of writing things out, so I think I'm just going to tweet everything in emoji. I'm going to try it out as an experiment, see how it goes, see how long it lasts. There's going to be a lot of miscommunication. It might be awesome. Uh, so you can follow me there on Twitter at DerbyKid. I'm also on Instagram at the TheDerbyKid. That's T-H-E-D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D. I recently did a, a black and white photo challenge, which was actually a really great, great experiment to go and take pictures uh, of things in my life or around my life, uh, not including people. So I had to go find things to take pictures of. It was a great exercise. I highly recommend it uh, just to go take some pictures, force you to take some pictures. Um, I, I also have some videos over on my YouTube channel that you can check out if you'd like. Uh, it's uh, You can find that at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. And if you want to hear me dissect Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, which is one of my favorite movies, uh, if you want to hear me do that one minute at a time, you can head over to DC Cinematic Minute. Uh, I, th- I think it's like minute uh, 26 through 20... 26 through 30. Is that 5? 26, 27, 28, 29, 30? Yeah. So I think I'm minute 26 through 30 if you want to hear me. Uh, to- I-, I get to talk about Lois Lane. I get to talk about uh, Batman and Alfred in the Batcave. And I get to talk about Lex Luthor. It's like the trifecta of everything I love about that movie <laughs> is, in- is in my five minutes. So if you want to hear us talk about that, uh, go over to uh, DC Cinematic Minute. Uh, so that's going to do it for our discussion about Girl of Steel in the season three premiere. Uh, but if you want to hang out for a quick spoiler section we'll be doing that after our theme music but until then i'm still rebecca johnson and remember that if you try and cut your heart out you will lose something essential Back to back. According to reports, she walked right in the front door. Put the bag down. <laughs> She's more powerful than any psychic I've ever encountered. She's targeting people's fear. What brought the girl of steel to her knees? Fears of powerful tears. Supergirl, all new episode Monday at 8, 7 central on the CW. And we are back. And what you just heard was the audio for what's coming up on Supergirl. The next episode is called Triggers. 
The official description reads, quote, Psy, guest star Yael Grobgloss, which I, th- I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I've been saying it that way uh, for a couple of episodes. So if anybody uh, knows any other way to pronounce it, let me know. Psy, uh, a thief with psychic powers, attacks National City. Able to immobilize people by tapping into their worst fears, Psy proves a formidable opponent for Supergirl. Meanwhile, James and Lena are at an impasse, and Samantha starts her new job at El Corp, unquote. So in this description, they are naming Samantha, who is the the mother of Ruby that we met in the season three premiere. So they are officially calling her Samantha. Uh, So we'll get to learn more about her uh, in the next episode. So Chris, what are you most excited? Uh, is there anything sticking out to you when you, when you read that description? Kind of everything. Um, but, uh, but specifically, uh, I'm a big fan of, uh, Yael's from, uh, Jane the Virgin where she plays Petra. Um, and she's kind of been able to be villainous on that show, but this is going to be a kind of a new thing for her, seeing her play a, a full on villain in uh, a side and seeing her play like, you know, this, this thief, um, and so I think that's going to be very cool. Um, so I'm excited to see her in that context. And then um, also, uh, kind of as we said on the main episode, the idea of James and Lena sharing scenes together is really exciting. And then some, and the fact, too, that Samantha is starting her job at L Corp, that might mean that she shares some scenes with Lena as well. So the fact, again, that Lena's just going to be having uh, scenes with different people um, that has me really pumped for episode two, um, and uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just so happy this show's back. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I think for me, the the biggest thing here is Psy. Psy has become one of my favorite Supergirl villains, and she is a genuine Supergirl villain. She's not just a Superman villain who has come over and become a, a Supergirl villain. She is a Supergirl villain. So it's really exciting to have her on the show. Uh, if you want to read more about Psy, check out Adventures of Supergirl by Sterling Gates, check out the Daring New Adventures of Supergirl. Um, Those are some great reads. Even uh, Rebirth, Supergirl Rebirth has had some good Psy stuff in that. She turns into a dragon. Psy can do a lot of... Yeah, it's awesome. So so Psy can do some really awesome things. So I'm really excited to see how they portray her in Supergirl the TV series because uh, you can kind of play around with her psychic powers and, and have her do different things so uh, i'm excited to see her and I, I i'm very curious as to whether or not she has been playing into this whole creating dreams like i wonder if she has mm. if she is the one who has been messing with Kara and samantha's dreams i don't know uh it could still be saturn girl like uh like one of our listeners speculated but uh sai has been known to play around with people's dreams and and get inside their heads so just putting that out there. That's a great suggestion. And I, I I think, too, just the description that she immobilizes people by tapping into their worst fears. Like, oh, man, that's just, that's a great villain. Yeah, I don't want to get my, my hopes up too much because I love Psy so much. I want to lower those expectations a little bit. <laughs> but I am very excited because this is the first time she will ever appear in live action. And uh, so I, I think this is this is good. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to have to check in with you on Twitter next week after the episode to see what you think. <laughs> I'll be tweeting my reaction all in emoji. It'll be like <laughs> uh, angry red face or like thumbs up. We'll have to see which one, which one it is. Hard eyes. Yes, you know, hard eye emoji. <laughs> yeah, uh, so check out the response. Check out the, uh, the, the emoji review that I'll be giving next week. <laughs> so we'll have to see how it goes. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, on that note, I think that's going to do it for our spoiler section. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back with a new episode discussion next time on Supergirl Radio.